We are in the Hall of Faith here today on Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard reminding us that faith, faith in Christ, should be a faith that is on display. From the first amazing gift we can remember during Christmas as a child to the amazing vehicle we just purchased, we get something fantastic and we want to put it on display. We want everybody to see what we have. How about your faith? How about your love for Christ? Is that on display? Today we'll be challenged to do just that, put our faith on display. And what better place to go to than the Hall of Faith to be encouraged down this road? Welcome to Truth For Today. Pastor Phil Howard takes us back to Hebrews chapter 11, verses 29 through 40, for today's broadcast of Truth For Today. Today I want us to pick up Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 29 through 40 and uh, consider that uh, faith is recognized by how it behaves. Faith is recognized by how it behaves. And uh, I'll read the passage and give an introduction of what faith really means when we talk about it biblically. Uh, But let us take up the narrative in chapter 11 and verse 29. By faith the people, Israel, crossed the Red Sea as on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of weakness, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. And all of these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, 
They should not be made perfect. Uh, he's giving us what is known as the Hall of Faith, a brief sketching of Old Testament believers and their faith in God and how they behaved under certain circumstances. Uh, I like to say that uh, when we talk about the faith, uh, there's several ways it's used. Number one, it's used to refer to the body of truth called the Bible. Uh, Content for the faith. This is the object that God's given us. It's his word. And uh, we're not bibliolaters that we worship a book. What we do, we worship the God who gave the book. Okay. We worship the God. Uh, it'd be about like my wife writes me a love letter and I start worshiping the letter. I'm in love with the letter. No, 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 no. The letter is the expression of our heart. So we love God's word because it's him talking to us, but we're not people that worship a book, per se, and we get accused of that. But this is the object of our faith insofar as we know what to believe. This is what we believe. And so you hear Paul saying, First Timothy, they have departed from the faith. What is he talking about? The faith. What's been revealed in Scripture. But when we pick up Hebrews 11, he's not talking about creedal faith. Okay? He's talking about lived out faith. Faith in action. I want to quote to you something that a writer, Guthrie, said it to make the distinction and see if this uh, may resonate with you. It may not, but since you're hearing me, you get it free. Sometimes faith is misunderstood as summed up in a faith equals creed. Faith e- What's the faith? Uh, I believe justification by faith. Good. I believe Jesus is coming again. Good. I believe you must be born again. Good. And so they make faith only as creedal. But watch. Sometimes faith is misunderstood as summed up in a faith equal creed approach. The New Testament does refer to the faith as a set of beliefs, but generally denotes something much more dynamic and active. A life lived in a trust relationship with God. This active faith certainly rests on sound belief. But it cannot be summed up by cognitive assent only. The stance of faith equals creed remains a danger for anyone who rightly places a great deal of emphasis on doctrine. And That's how I grew up, especially going to seminary. The more doctrine you hear, all the faith is some doctrinal issue. Doctrine, doctrine. Well, you must have that. But what Hebrews is talking about is not doctrine believed, but doctrine obeyed. Truth responded to. And he's going to show all these circumstances, none of which happens in a classroom or in a church that we're arguing over when is Christ coming again. He's making the point, faith is more than a creed, 
more than right believe. You say, well, I'm Catholic. So what? I'm Baptist. So what? I'm Presbyterian. So what? Ultimately, how are you living out your life? Are you living it in trust and faith in God, in your decisions, in the direction of your life? Uh, Let me give you the idea that there is faith as an act. We believe in a moment. But then there's faith as an attitude. Are you walking in an attitude of reliance on God? Four ways faith is sometimes used. Four ways. Just If you can put down R, it'll help you remember. First of all, faith that receives Christ and what God has said. It simply is the empty hand that receives what God has to say to us. That's faith. I receive to as many as receive Christ, to those who believe on his name, he gives the right to become children of God. John 1.12. So it's a faith that receives. Two, faith is a faith that reckons. And that means it counts on God to do whatever he said. You remember, choose that way in Romans 6.11. Reckon yourselves to be dead to sin. It's a faith that I reckon on God to carry out what he said he would do. I receive it. I reckon on it. Three, it's a faith that risks. It's a faith willing to take the risk to do something because you are convinced God has said it. God wants you to do it. Whatever the situation. But you'll risk yourself to take that action in firm conviction that God is leading. God is so. So it's a faith that will take great risks. Finally, it's a faith that just rests. It just rests in the promise. When you're suffering, when you've got sickness that won't go away, when you've got circumstances that you can't snap away, you're living with things that you say, when does this go away? You say, I can rest in God's promises in the meantime. So I receive by faith. I reckon on it by faith. I'm willing to risk myself in faith. And I'm willing to rest in faith. Now, as we look at chapter 11, three things maybe hold it together for us. First of all, the faith that conquers in the struggles of life. Faith that conquers. That's the first thing we'll be looking at. Second thing is a faith that continues even in the sufferings of life. One conquers, the other continues to even in suffering. It's, it doesn't abandon. It, it re- remains trusting God no matter whether he slays them or not, as Job said, even if this God slays me, I will trust him. And thirdly, it's a faith that is completed in Christ alone. Only Christ binds the Old Testament saints and New Testament believers together. Let's start, and on the little survey he gives of those who were conquerors through Christ by faith. Look what they did by faith. And he said, first of all, they went across the Red Sea in verse 29. Israel coming out of Egypt. 
remarkable, remarkable deliverance. Then, let's just move on in the narrative. Verse 30, by faith, when they came to the city of Jericho, it fell down after it had been encircled for seven days. Well, you'd have to read the early chapters of Joshua. Joshua was leading. Jericho was a fortified city. It kind of blocked the entrance into the land of Canaan. It was insurmountable. Here we've got over two million people, and in that number, many are children, many are women, and you've got a nation of brick makers. Nobody ever taught military warfare. They know nothing. They've been marching in a wilderness for 40 years, just hoping for something to eat. And all of a sudden, we cross Jordan, and we've got the city there that to go into the land, we've got to get past them and their army, their fortifications. What does God do? What is the plan of attack? God tells Joshua, march the children of Israel around the city once each day, and on the final day, march around it seven times. If you read the narrative in Joshua 6, he doesn't question, there's no doubt, he didn't talk back to God. Who do you think we are, a bunch of idiots? This isn't what you learn at West Point. This isn't how you win battles. March, we've been marching for 40 years. What is this plan of attack? God didn't have this argument with Joshua because he, he has no questions. It's amazing to hear Abraham and these different ones. God just says it and they do it. And some of you have been arguing with God for years. You keep editing God. You didn't mean that, did you, God? I meant it. When are you going to do it? Well, well you can't. I, I don't interpret that right. Your problem in interpretation, it's obedience. It's plain. I used to tell people, I read it in Hebrew, Greek, and Oki, and it says do it. Just do it. You, some of you are looking for a better translation. What God's looking is a better life. When will you do it? And guess what they do? Seventh day, they just march, and archaeologists have looked up the city. It didn't fall outward, it fell inward. It's remarkable. It, it just wiped out, just like God said. They didn't fire a shot. Devastated. Everyone in the city died except one woman and her family. And he mentioned her. A woman by the name of Rahab. By faith, Rahab was saved. Now, Rahab's an interesting gal. Her vocation was she was a prostitute, okay? Uh, her ethnicity, she was from a tribe that was meant to be demolished in the land. She was an Amorite. Uh, she was a pagan worshiper. Uh, she was a Gentile. I mean, this woman's got nothing going for her. I mean, she is uh, number one to be knocked off. But, Joshua had sent some spies to go spy out the city. And this woman took in the spies, hid them, and risked her life to hide them. Told them how to escape the city 
when there was inquired about who they were, she lied about it. Come on, when you're a prostitute, lying makes sense. She didn't have to come up with some big story. Hey, she protected them. And the spies said, you know what? Because you have exercised faith. Because she told them, I've heard about your God. I've heard about what he did at the Exodus. I heard how he got you out of Egypt. I believe your God's going to give you this land. I believe your God is going to get you out. They said, because you believe our God, we're going to tell you this. You take this scarlet thread and you put it out the window you let us escape out of. Hang that there. Get all your family you can into your house. And on the day we take this city, God will protect you somehow. Your mother, your father, your family, your children, your whoever. Get them all in there and they will come under divine protection on that day. And would you believe it happened just like God said. And all she did is believe the God of the Exodus is going to deliver these people. And she did it. You know, it's interesting when you talk to people why they don't come to Christ. You hear this. uh, First of all, well, I didn't know much about the Bible. She knew nothing about the Bible. There was no Bible. She'd only heard this God could roll back the Red Sea. This God could get slaves out of Egypt. This God could demolish the Egyptian army. Whoever's pulling this off, I believe in him. You don't have to know a lot of Bible to be a Christian. Just, it's a seed. You just start out. Well, you believe what you know. Uh, she could have said, uh, uh, I'm too bad to be saved. Too bad. Wait, wh- what, what have you done that's so bad? Well, I'm an Amorite. Genesis 15 says, God's going to destroy us. My, my people are all going to be destroyed. Okay, what else? Well, I don't have too good a lifestyle. Well, what else? Uh, I'm a pagan. I worship other gods. God hasn't found anybody too hard to save. See, God saves the unworthy, the unlikely, and the ungodly. That qualifies you. Unworthy, unlikely, and ungodly. Isn't that how he found us? We, we weren't seeking God. No man seeks after God. He sought us. We didn't choose God. He chose us. God wanted me. I didn't want him. You didn't want God. It might have taken cancer to get your attention. God has ways of getting your attention. He looks good. When all your friends have left and the doctor walks out shaking his head and you have no hope. God looks real good. That's why the critics call it uh, a desperate man's religion. Yes, it is. The race is all desperate. They just don't know it. 
And uh, she could have had all kinds of excuses. Uh, what will my family think? Have you ever thought of that? If I take Christ, what will my mom and dad think? Guess what this woman says? I'm going to tell my mom and dad that I put faith in the true God. And there's only protection in my house. I trust my faith and this little uh, scarlet thread that I'm going to put out this window. It's going to save me when this city caves in. God saved her. I'll tell you a remarkable thing about her. Rahab. Are you aware that Rahab is one of the four women that show up in the genealogy of Christ? She not only uh, was delivered from her vocation, she got into the Messianic family. She married a Jewish boy by the name of Salmon. S-A-L-M-O-N. And guess what? They started a family together as a legitimate woman. No longer as a prostitute, but as a married woman. And she has a boy named Boaz. And Boaz happens to marry Ruth. And Ruth happens to give birth. Eventually we get down to David. And David, guess what? The Messiah, God, the Savior, Jesus Christ. She's a part of the family tree. What you can do in a day if you'll believe God. She just believed God. Put her whole life behind her and says, you mean I'm in the Messianic family tree? Yes, you are. All I did was believe. <laughs> Could God make it any better? Did you know what the Bible says? If you will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved, God will make you a member of his family. And someday we will reign together with Christ. We're heirs and joint heirs. Someday, it says in his word, we shall rule over the nations together with Christ. And all you did was, I believe you. I take you. Some of you are making it too hard. Quit it. Quit it. Quit lying about God. He made it easy as just being born from above. Will you believe me that I can save you? I can give you a new life. I can forgive you. Don't call God a liar. He can do it. He's done it for millions. Why wouldn't he do it for you? Only if you refuse to put your faith in him. He's waiting on you. Believe me. I, I want to get saved again. Just reading about it. Man. Uh, watch this. Don't get excited. Church, just at the mall. It goes on, and he mentions he's selective in the list. He goes in, then he mentions Gideon. And if you know the story of Gideon in the book of Judges, he's a man that God calls us, I want you to deliver my people from the Midianites. First of all, he says, I'm not worthy, I'm not capable. I'm, he gives all these disclosures that, wow, I cannot. And then he gets an army of 10,000 people. Boy, if you're not capable, just get a lot of people around you, and that makes you capable. Guess what God does? Uh, you got too many men. Too many men. Have you seen the Midianites? They're like the locusts. He said, no, you got too, too many men. How do I have too many men? If you win now, you'll take the credit, credit for the battle. And say you did it because you had a large army. I got a little test. I want them to go down to the river. And I want them to lap water. And those who lap water the way I like is going to be your army. 
they go down, and when they get through, there's only 300 guys that God gives Gideon. Now, I want to tell you, I don't like that. I want to feel numbers. He said, there's no one like a king in the midst of his army. I want to feel like I'm strong. If I've got you with me, we can make it. God says, Gideon, it's not the arm of flesh that you need. You need me. And with that, we come to the end of our time together here on Truth For Today, the ministry of Valley Bible Church here in Hercules with our teacher and pastor, Pastor Phil Howard. As we close out our program today, we would invite you to contact us. Let us know how the broadcast has encouraged you, has ministered to your walk and relationship with Christ. Now, there are a couple of ways that you can contact us. By phone, obviously the easiest, 855 833 9864. Again, simply call 855-833-9864. You can also write to us at 1511 M. Sycamore Avenue, Suite 278, Hercules, California. 94547 is the zip code. Now, the easiest way to get in touch with us would be through our website, truthfortodayradio.org. Now, as you stop by, you'll be able to drop us an email, but then take advantage of the many resource materials we have available, again, there at truthfortodayradio.org. You'll also be able to find out more about Valley Bible Church here in Hercules, who we are, what we believe, worship times, directions, and the like. Again, truthfortodayradio.org, or again, simply call 855-833-9864. Would you also bear in mind this radio broadcast is available through listener support. As you link arms with us financially, we are able to continue the ministry here on this radio station. So please consider that as you contact us. And then come back and join us next time for another broadcast of Truth For Today with Pastor Phil Howard. Yes,